Hi, beautiful beings. Welcome to the Soulful and Authentic Podcast. I'm Joanne Oswell-Jones, your host, and this is season one of The Task Ahead is Never as Great as the Power Within. Today is episode 11. We have the wonderful Sophie Wedlock-Smith with me today, who is the director and founder of SW Nutrition. What a conversation. I know you'll be on the edge of your seat. Sophie is such a beacon of light, having recovered from stage four cancer, a stroke, and being in a coma. She's very insightful. She's super strong. She's determined. And she's really proven that the power of visualization works. It's a great conversation. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Sophie, it is so great to have you here. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be a deep conversation. You have been through a lot, a lot, and I just admire what you've accomplished and your strength. And, you know, you have a BA honors degree in nutritional science. You're a, a, you know, a director of your own huge company that's helping countless of people around the world really reach optimum health um but it wasn't always like that for you was it so it's gonna be I'm I'm just so grateful that you're here in this space and you're willing to take us through that journey because there's a lot of people out there who we all have our challenges right and we all have our burdens don't we and there's a lot of people out there when it's a physical illness um such as yours was it, it it can really tip someone into fear big time and the vulnerability of just mortality, I suppose, for want of a better word, um, really hits home. And so I'm really thanking you for giving us this time today to go back to that time in your life, um, which was so young. It was 23, wasn't it? 23 when you were diagnosed with stage three, stage four cancer. That's right. Yes. Can we just go back there and just mm. give me a picture of childhood and yeah, what was your childhood like? Did you see this coming? Was there any indication? Let's go right back to the beginning. Well, um, I've always been super healthy. I had enough. I didn't have any signs to see this coming. Cancer doesn't run in my family. I come from very healthy genes So you don't expect to ever, you know, I was just feeling poorly, like I had the flu. Um, And like most women that are working, I was very career orientated. I just wasn't very good at taking time out and time off to relax Mm -hmm. and just thought I needed to relax. It was like the worst flu ever. Um, I didn't see it coming, no. I didn't think that would ever be something I would have. So can I ask at that point in your life, you were 23 and obviously very healthy and came from, you know, a a healthy family. Were you were you invested in your nutritional in, in what you supported your body with at that time? Or was your career a completely different career? I was working as an estate agent in London. Um, So no, busy, busy, hectic living in London as well. Um, I had no idea about nutrition. I used to go to the gym a lot, um, but I did it mostly to keep my weight down. And I'm a little bit embarrassed. I was a massive Diet Coke drinker. 
Okay. Yeah. I drank a lot of Diet Coke. And now I know how bad it is for you. Um, I was drinking about eight, nine cans of Diet Coke a day. Wow. And do you think that was had a contributory factor? Well, they don't know exactly what it is, but there's a lot of research out there looking at aspartamin yeah. and the type of cancer I had. I mean, obviously, I don't want to kind of narrow it down to just one thing. But um, yeah, because disease is a mind body being thing. It's it's a whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But so. um, So. So. Are you can you would you be interested in just filling us in on what happened the day? So you had you had flu, you were feeling or you were feeling unwell with flu. And um, yeah, I just couldn't stop coughing. And then um, I had a tumour on my left lung and one in my throat, okay. which completely affected my vocal cords. So I sounded like Gonzo from the Muppets. And oh, um, so and I just thought it was weird. I couldn't stop coughing. Um, and I just felt so tired. And I took a week off work and I still felt tired. So I kept asking the doctors for a scan and I, they thought I had pneumonia because when they scanned me. Just rewind there. So, because obviously the internet cut out. So you said you asked the doctors for a scan. Yes. And they sent me to Kingston hospital and they did a scan and there was clearly something on my lung and they thought it could be pneumonia. So then they did a biopsy and they found out it was cancer. And by then it it was stage four and I didn't have much time. I had to have treatment as soon as possible because if I didn't, the the doctors said it was so fast growing. I wouldn't, I didn't stand any chance. Were you alone on that day when you got that term diagnostic? No, um, I was actually engaged at the time due to get married to someone and he was very good. He was with me at the time. But my family was super supportive and with me every step of the way. But um, so you're in the doctor's surgery or you're in the hospital and you're told that you have this rapid cancer and that it's stage four and you had to be effectively operated on as soon as. What was going through your head? What? The main thing I said to my consultant, I said, am I going to beat this? Am I going to live? And he said, Sophie, I can't answer that. Wow. And I thought, oh, gosh, I've got so much in my life I want to do. You know, I haven't even started living yet. I'd only just graduated from university and I was working. I thought, no, no, I've got more to do with my life yet. Um, And I knew in my heart I would beat it, you know. So um, so it was an unwavering faith that you knew. So strong. So strong. Did you, did you, um, I'm sure this will probably come. Did you think, I'm just so curious, did, did you think, why has it happened? Did you start to analyze or were you just in the trauma of what was unfolding do you know what? I um, perhaps questioned once why me? And then I thought, you know what? It has happened to me. So I can either feel sorry for myself or just get on with this and beat it with all my strength. 
and stay as positive as possible. So I chose to stay as positive as possible. Um, it had happened to me, so I just had to get on with it. So, and every with every fiber of my being, I knew I would beat it. And I I do a lot of um, a lot of work on myself. I have for years. So I'm always reading positive books. I've always had a strong morning routine ever since I was young, and I really think that helped me through. And I have a very positive mindset. And my mother is so strong and positive and amazing. You know, I am a clone of her, basically. Um, So that really helped. So and I got all my friends to send me every video that's happy and every movie recommendation and lots of jokes. And that really helped. So um, obviously, mindset is huge. As we yes. all know, you know, your mind, the ability to make or break something. St- well, the ability to shape your life starts with a thought in your head. And what's so fascinating here is that you just immediately you didn't even go into victim. You just went into, OK, this is what I have to do. I have to step up. I have to get into positive mode. Um, and was that because you wanted to fight any thought of fear coming up or was it to change your mindset and your cellular level, like on a molecular level, to, to basically change everything, the energy within your body to positivity rather than fear? The funny thing is, I didn't feel any fear. I was so adamantly strong. I was going to beat it no matter what. Um, I didn't think of it like that. I was um, heavily into Louise Hay back then, 20 or years amazing, ago. amazing, right? And I was very lucky to meet her afterwards at one of her events in Covent Garden. I was obsessed with her. I loved her so much. Every afternoon, I'd listen to one of her meditations. And even to this day, if I can't sleep at night, I go onto YouTube and listen to one of her meditations to help me sleep. She is phenomenal. She really she, is. She helped me so much. And she's got so many on YouTube. She's got so many wise meditations and talks. You know, I've read her books. I've got her healing cards and things like that. I really believe there is a huge link between our thoughts and the health of our body. 100%. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And, and, and like you, a lot of my research has been based upon emotional suppression and physical manifestation. So 100% I'm with you there. And you, if you think about it, if your body can, you can have an emotion and have a physical reaction. So if you're embarrassed and you blush, that's an emotion having a physical reaction on your body. Mm. So all this stress and things like that, just imagine what it's doing to our bodies. And, and when you don't transcend it, that's yeah. when it then comes becomes a physical manifestation. That's right. Yeah. And so, just people aren't realizing this. You know, they're so stressed, they're not um taking any time out for themselves. They're eating while watching TV or on the go or while walking. And I just think you don't realize what you're actually doing to your body on a cellular level. This is huge. Absolutely, because it is the vehicle that we are in during the incarnation. And so by looking after it in the best possible way, you know, you can then fulfill your your life's purpose here on Earth. That's right. So, okay, so let's go back to so 
the consultant said, okay, we're going to have to operate, I'm assuming. No, um, I didn't. It was um, high-level chemotherapy and then radiation I had. Wow. So, And they were going to give me the chemo every three weeks. And I said, look, I'm really fit and healthy other than having cancer. I want you to really blast me with the top level amount of chemo, whatever drugs you need to give me, because I've got to beat this. So he said, okay, we'll do it every two weeks instead. So, and that was hard. And I know this is going to sound vain because I'm a very feminine lady with long blonde hair and I've always had long blonde hair. Losing my hair was really tough for me. Oh, I 100% can understand that because, you know, slightly off kilter, but yes, you know, this is the Soul and Authentic show and my teachings about all about us being authentic. Um, and that doesn't mean to say that you can't be, you know, you can't have your hair done, you can't have yeah. the makeup on. Being authentic is about, you know, just being honest and open and authentic yeah. as to who you are. Um, and so I totally get that because there's something about feeling feminine and feeling it's it's connecting with that feminine goddess within, isn't it? That's and right. So when you're feeling, yeah, I, I get it. So you lost all your hair. I did. The only good thing is I didn't have to shave my legs. <laughs> I think it was positive light. Um, but that was leg waxing for a while then. Yeah. So I, I tried to embrace it and did the gothic look. <laughs> oh, did you? That's funny. But I have friends that gave me beautiful silk headscarves and things. And wigs have come a long way since 20 years. So there's amazing looking real wigs now, whereas back in those days, they weren't so good and they were really itchy and painful on the head. So but you can get amazing things now. Mm. But um, I just embraced it. It was tough. But so it, how many rounds of chemotherapy did you have? I had eight. Wow. And then the cancer was completely. Well, no. And then. um I had something called a PET scan and they said they couldn't see any cancer cells, but um, if I still had cancer and it came back, I'd have to have more chemotherapy or I could have radiation and zap it and kill it all and know that it's gone. So I said, just give me the radiation. Let's kill this thing. So I then had um, radiation every day for a month. Wow. So this was after eight rounds of chemotherapy. Yeah. You'd lost your hair. Yeah. You had, I mean, did you lose your eyebrows? Did you lose all? all, all I did. I kept like one or two eyelashes, which I made sure were covered in mascara on a daily basis. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> you can't let standards slip, even when, <laughs> you know, you're poorly. <laughs> You've got to turn up and show up. Exactly. So what were, in terms of your, um, I mean, you know, chemotherapy, they're strong drugs, they what, you know, other than obviously the physical sort of side effects, what mental and emotional side effects was this having on you? Oh God. Um, I was on so many steroids each day. I blew out like a little apple. Um, and that was tough because I've always been very conscious of my weight I've always thought I was quite glamorous and feminine and you kind of when you lose all your hair and you blow out like a balloon that was really tough for me I understand really that yeah I understand that and you know 
yeah when we when we lose what we think our sense of self is and our identity but you know sometimes these things happen to show us what the true identity is right and it's it is really difficult so were you at that point um did you start becoming interested in nutrition when you were actually having chemotherapy or was was that something that came later well the dietitian at the hospital at the time told me to eat lots of cakes lots of um refined carbohydrates jelly cancer right yeah and said keep your energy levels up so I mean I knew I didn't really know much about nutrition back in those days and if I had known what I know now I would not have eaten cakes not have Um, had dairy not have had yeah absolutely Pure alkaline, green juices, green diet. Yeah, the thing is, dietitians are trained in a different way to nutritional therapists. And that is why I became a nutritional therapist. So, um, no, my diet back then wasn't great. No. And, and, you know, how ironic is that? That, you know, you're being blasted with such high strength drugs Mm -hmm. to, to potentially reverse and kill a disease. And yet the very professionals were asking you to then feed your body substances that actually feed cancer. I know, I know. I mean, really? Yeah. So after I finished the cancer treatment and obviously chemo is like pure acid. So I had so many food allergies afterwards and gut issues. Mm. I actually um, found out about a really good nutritional therapist, a band registered nutritional therapist who I went to see, and I'm not joking, she completely transformed my health, my energy levels. It just gave me a different quality of life. And I was like, this person is amazing. I would love to do this with people. She's changed my life. Mm. And I thought, was it quick? Was it, did you start to see results quickly? um, Within a month or so. And literally I could start eating foods again that, I couldn't eat after chemo. She was just amazing. Just phenomenal. We'll go into that in greater detail. So was this also after the radiation? Yes. Okay, so talk to me about the radiation. So you'd had eight rounds of chemo. Yeah. And then they said there is a possibility that this cancer could come back. That's right. And you went, you know what, just let's kill every possibility of it now. That's right. So explain the radiation therapy to me because... You know that's radioactive uh, energy. That's that is okay. That, that it kind of gave me a tiredness I knew nothing about um, until I had a stroke. Um, that was quite with well, the chemo. The effects of the chemo were more horrific than the radiation. But the radiation was like five days a week for a month, every day in isolation, and- so that you couldn't be um, in contact with other people. Well, you're put in this room and they make you like a metal plate and they tattoo you the mark of where they're going to put the plate up. They don't do that now. So every day I would have to have radiation. It was only about five minutes. It wasn't long. But what I found really hard, because one of my love languages is physical touch and cuddles. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to hug anyone while I was having radiation. And that was such a difficult time because I just wanted to cuddle. Oh, Sophie. That was really hard. Wow. So 
were you in uh, effectively in isolation for a month no I would go home every day um I have different family members drive me (laughs) and um yeah I would go home every day but I I did I tried not to sit near anyone yeah so or give anyone a hug I mean we had a dog back then so I could give Jazzy a hug so that was fine (laughs) she seemed to be fine um but I couldn't give any of my loved ones a hug, which was hard, really hard. Physical touch is so important. And exactly. um, people don't realise that, you know, in order to have, well, to contribute to optimum health, we need 11 hugs a day. 11? Yeah, yeah. I'm certainly not getting that. <laughs> exactly, 11 hugs a day. And not just a quick, but a real, a real just like holding on to each other. And yeah. obviously that produces all the oxytocin. And yeah, we, your physical touch is so important. That connection is so, so important. And, you know, if it's something that is like you say, your love language, how sad that you just I know, felt I know. isolated and alone wow that is a lot so uh, what was that period so eight ten well three months radiation was only a month but with the chemo I was like it was a few months it seemed a lot longer at the time obviously because it was all horrific and I was treated at the Royal Marsden in Sutton Mm -hmm. by Professor Cunningham and he was phenomenal amazing and during that time, it's very sad because I broke up with my fiance at the time. So was that because um, he couldn't handle what you were going through? He was a wonderful guy, but I think the physical transition was really hard for him. Mm. Um, you know, he was there for me in spirit, but in body, but not in spirit. Mm. Um, so that for me was really tough. Um, the ironic well I think it meant I don't know whether you felt this but what came to me just then as you were speaking is as a woman it makes you feel less of a woman if suddenly your partner can't be with you because physically you have changed you know you don't have this beautiful long blonde sweeping hair and you know like you say you've become apple apple shaped rather than you know um, twiglet shaped Um, that must have been really difficult it was, but then everyone's going to grow old. We all kind of lose our looks and our youth. You want someone to love you for you and exactly. who you are, not what you look like. And if someone really loves you, then they love you for you, the person, your spirit as well, your energy, yeah. your presence, you know. Well, so you went through that process. You broke up with your fiance but you beat the cancer absolutely and how did you feel um I was very happy about beating the cancer I thought I've been given another chance at life let's just go and enjoy that's amazing (laughs) I possibly went off the rails of a bit of a party girl I have to say (laughs) um but I saw quite a few nutritional therapists at the time And they really helped me. And it was something I was like, I love these people. They're amazing. So I went back to work, working in property in central London. Yes, I meant to ask, did your employer keep your job open for you? Yes, they were amazing. The company I worked for, Savills, they were such a good company. I worked part-time. 
I just went back to work slowly afterwards and there was such a lovely bunch of people. So, um, yeah, that was fine. Big shout out to Savills. If anyone, yeah. any listeners are working for yeah. Savills. Yeah. Thank you for supporting Sophie. And so, um, yeah, I, I used to really enjoy the job. I'm incredibly nosy. So I got to see inside some beautiful properties and meet some really interesting people. So I enjoyed that. And I continued doing that for many years until obviously then I had the stroke years later, just out of the yeah. blue. So so let's so so you recovered completely from the cancer. Yes. You you then was there an epiphany? Was there a point where you thought, wow, what I'm putting into my physical body, as well as the emotional and, and mental thoughts, what I'm putting into my physical body is of paramount importance because you had seen such a transition with the nutritional therapists. Um I wasn't as strict then as I am now, but I was aware of it. But you know, I do have a sweet tooth. I do like a glass of bubbly thing, something. You know, I love my food. So I wasn't as strict as perhaps I should have been. Okay. Um, so life's good. You're having fun. You're, you know, you're back on track. That's right. And then a stroke. I know. I mean, I thought just old people had them, not young people in their prime. Because that was about 11 years later, wasn't it? It Oh, yeah. And and do you mind taking us, how did that manifest? What happened? Well, um, I was getting pains in my arm the day before, but I thought because I was doing weight training, it had something to do with that. And then the night before I had a bit of a headache, So being a typical woman, I just took some paracetamol and just thought, let's get on with it. Then the day it happened, I was actually bought myself a bicycle because I was going to go on a bike ride around Richmond Park. And um, I just bought a bike and I was having everything put on the bike at the bike shop and went for a cappuccino with a friend. And um, I'm so pleased he saw the advert on TV for Strokes because I just thought I had a shocking headache. And um, he knew instantly what was happening and called an ambulance. And I just blacked out and then came to in the hospital, then blacked out and then came to like a week later. Okay, so you were unconscious, you were out for a week. Yeah, they kept me in a coma for a week just to kind of heal everything. And they also operated on me as well because I was about to have another stroke, apparently. And um, I read my hospital notes and they had put down there, I probably wouldn't make it through the night. The damage was so bad and they didn't know what condition I would be in when I woke up. I know my poor mother, I have put her through hell, bless her. Um, So... Uh, they kept me in a coma and it was quite interesting because I do remember snippets of what people said while I was in a coma I was going to ask what was that experience you know you hear of people who sometimes even transcend towards the light um and have like an out of body so their consciousness oh no I didn't have that (laughs) um I just remember I had my hair done and I remember being pleased I had my hair done, cut and coloured a few days before. And um, my mum was there with my brother. 
and she was trying to brush my hair and I've got very fine long blonde hair and she was going to spray leave-in conditioner in my hair and I wanted to wake up to say no that won't suit my hair don't do it oh you're joking no so you- but I couldn't wake myself up to tell her and my brother was saying oh yes and helping my mother and in my head I was like no don't do this it's not it's a good look so- on me so you're so you're in a coma, but you're aware. But you can't I'm aware of what's going on. Move. Only for a snippet, I go in and out of consciousness. But you can't wake yourself up to actually respond to people. I can feel people holding my hand, but I couldn't squeeze back. I couldn't wake up. I couldn't respond. So it's like what you're describing to me, that your soul was very present. Yes. And could almost see what was going on, but the physical body was was... Uh, I don't want to use this word, but almost dead. The physical yeah. body was just, you know, unable to move, but yet yeah. the essence of you was there. So you yeah. could see and feel what was going on. I do remember the consultants or doctors coming to me and shining a light in my eye all the time. And it was when I was in a coma that annoyed me because I'm like, just let me relax, leave me alone. I didn't realize why they were doing it. So. Wow. So a week in a coma and then they started to bring you. Was there any damage, any, any, you know, because people's face drops and Um, my face is back to normal. But apparently it did drop during the time of the stroke. Mm -hmm. But I know obviously never saw that. So you came out of the coma and. You could speak. You hadn't lost your speech. Thank, thank the Lord. No. <laughs> no, I just remember waking up. My mother was right next to me and she said, darling, you've had a stroke. You're not going to be able to move your left side of your body. But don't worry. You know, with physiotherapy, I know how strong you are, how determined we will beat this together. And the first thing you try and do when someone says you can't move the left side, you try and move it. And I thought, oh, no, I can't move it. That's annoying. Um, But do you know what? Again, I had such a sense of peace and strength. And I thought, I am going to beat this no matter what. Because the diagnosis was that you would never walk again, right? It was, yeah. And that, you know. I don't I don't think any consultant should ever say that to anyone. No. Because they're not God. They don't know. You're 100% right. Yeah. People have to be very careful with because you know when someone isn't sitting in their center or in their strength when they're delivered a piece of news and they take it on blind faith then that's what they determine the outcome that's is. right you know okay. and I just think you know some people if they're emotionally weak and older and don't have the strength and determination that I did they could actually believe that and just accept that as their reality and not absolutely. even try yeah absolutely yeah and that that's the power of word isn't it yeah yeah, yeah so, so when the, when the consultant said you won't walk again um or you'll be wheelchair bound what what we what did you say in my head i i'm not going to say exactly what i thought in my head because it's not very ladylike but i thought that's a little yeah, rubbish I, basically yeah, yeah. i will yeah um just you watch me and i actually said 
I actually said to him, I will. And he said, well, if you will, I'll be very happy, you know. And I said, I will, 100%. So, and I am. And you are. How long did that rehabilitation take in that physiotherapy? Oh, gosh, physiotherapy, I'm going to be honest, is still happening now. Um, I was in a hospital, what, for four or five months in a wheelchair. And I said to my neuro... Sophie, do you mind me asking, how, how long ago was this that you had the stroke? Um, in 2012 okay years ago. yeah okay so um every day when you're in rehab in a hospital you have physiotherapy mm-hmm. which is just so important um but unfortunately because I dropped I had dropped food as well from the stroke that kind of um delayed my physiotherapy um, and because of that, I perhaps didn't get as much as I needed to help me at the time. But I did say to my neurophysio, I am not leaving this hospital in a wheelchair. Mm. I have to, when I leave, I'm going to be walking out of here. I don't care if it's on crutches or sticks, but that is how it's going to be. And thank God I did that. Because when you leave hospital, unless you have a plan ready, you're on your own. Mm. Have you ever watched or do you ever do you have you ever seen the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza? <gasps> yeah, you, you know his story about how he broke oh, my ears accident. A hundred percent. I've got all his books. I listened to his meditations. He's awesome. And were you aware of that at the time? No, no. Okay. So actually, even without that teaching and that understanding, yeah. you just knew the power of thought could exactly. help you get Louise Hay again. Phenomenal yeah. woman. Yeah. Again, I listened to her on YouTube in hospital with my headphones on. And I have friends, again, send me funny videos. I have one friend send me Miranda. And I watched it every single night with my headphones. And I'd just be laughing on my own. I probably looked odd on my own in my bed, just laughing away. But that helped yeah. my recovery so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So would you say the power of your thoughts and the power of your mind helped your body more so than anything else physically? A hundred percent. Yeah. Our minds and our thoughts and the way we see ourselves is everything. so powerful. Yeah. When you have physio and you've lost all the one side of your body, The physio is like, Sophie, just imagine it moving. So you imagine it and then suddenly a finger moves and you think, oh, oh my goodness. And then another finger moves, then another, then you can move your hand and then you can do all sorts of things again. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. And I would sit and have my food in hospital, but I wouldn't just eat with the right hand and a fork. I made myself eat with both. Even though it took me ages, I was so determined. That's the power of the mind is phenomenal. And you learn to walk again by visualizing and imagining you're walking, even though your leg won't move and your foot won't budge. You just imagine it. And then all of a sudden, one day it happens. I cannot tell you how how powerful that is. Sorry. How long did that process take? Um. Well, let's say I did walk out of hospital on crutches. So I was there, what, for four months? Yeah. It took, it literally only happened two days before. And I'm like, right, I'm walking, I'm going home. Let me out of here. (laughs) 
That is such a powerful, powerful yeah. story and incredible. And I know um, Joe Dispenda talked dispenser talks about this doesn't he how with athletes and how they run the race in their mind and the fact that your physical body doesn't know the difference between thought and reality that's right in you can create and and so really it's so for anyone listening out there um you know what sophie's just said is so Mm. profound because and go and look up joe dispenser because you know, your thoughts become your reality. That's right. I really believe it. See it, believe it, achieve it. I really believe in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting, just simple things like finding car parking spaces. It works. I cosmically order them. Yeah. It's the law of attraction. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question here and um, be really interesting to hear your answer my my teachings and beliefs have shown me that we choose all of our burdens okay we choose our life experiences whether we on an unconscious level we choose them because mm-hmm. coming down here to this earth in this incarnation it's like school it's it's so that we can grow okay um and and so we can elevate and we can evolve yeah um is there a point where you said to yourself why have I chosen this why did I choose this experience oh yes of course and I wouldn't have chosen this if I known how difficult it was going to be um but on the other hand yeah um some part of you did choose it yeah I think I've always been an incredibly sensitive caring loving person I think it's made me more sympathetic empathetic and patient um it certainly made me realize who my real friends and family members are um in a very painful difficult way I've had to kind of lose a few people that were unhealthy in my life um because their energy is so bad who you surround yourself with is so important yeah it is and you know there's a givers and takers the radiators and drains in this life yeah, and sure. I just want radiators that give me heat and love and warmth. I don't want drains who take money, who are always wanting favors and want something from you and give nothing in return. Um, so I just think it made me look at my life and who's around me and who I want there. And then I wanted to do something that lit me up, that kind of I can help others and make a difference in their life. So that's why I would pay it forward. That's right. And um, that's why, because nutritional therapists had such a huge impact in my life after cancer. I thought I want to help others. So that's when I retrained for three years at the College of Naturopathic Medicine in London. Yeah. And um, I've been, you know, working as a nutritional therapist ever since, which I absolutely love. That's fantastic. And it is the power of, you know, obviously the power of the thoughts, but, you know, it's it's good nutrition and supporting your body. It's a gift to your body. It's, it's you it know, is, it is, you know, it's so funny in conversations with God. I don't know if, you, have, if, you, if you've read that book an incredible I've heard book. of it now. <laughs> yeah. Neil Walsh is having a conversation with God 
And um, basically, God starts to talk back to him through his writing. It's, it's very funny in parts, actually, as well. Like, you know, the divine certainly has a sense of humor. And, um, you know, God says, so Neil talks about ill health and God says, well, you know, what do you expect? You give less attention to your body than you do to your car. And that's saying something because you don't really give your car much attention. You know, you change the oil in your car, but when do you do that for your body? Um, and, And so I think nutrition is very important. And talk to me about that. How is your how has your nutrition changed? How has your sort of how you physically look after yourself changed? What have been the major differences that you do now that you wouldn't do back then? Well, let, let me just um, say something about the car situation. Quite often we have an MOT each year for our car. So why are we not doing that for ourselves? Why are we not having regular services? Mm. And um, the things I do in nutrition now, I um, I really focus on my gut health because a gut is a powerhouse of our immune system. 100%, 80% of the immune system. Absolutely. And then, you know, the gut is the first organ that is, because that used to be my speciality. The gut is the first organ that is developed in utero. Really? Every, yes, it's, it's known as the trunk. So the gut, the large intestine is the first organ that's developed whilst in utero and then the other organs are grown off that phenomenal right and there's such a link our gut is actually bigger than our brain well I think that's the case with me for sure (laughs) um so if I'm emotional you'll often find if something upsetting's happened you need to be close to a bathroom that's Mm. quite normal and they often refer to the gut as the main brain center which is really interesting yeah so we need to be looking after that so I have a lot of probiotic foods a lot of sauerkraut kimchi kombucha um I take a really good probiotic which is food based I love Simprove um I have a lot of um green powders with wheatgrass spirulina each day I have that with the green juice um you know, and I have a lot of vitamin C. And then if I, I'm struggling to sleep, I'll have magnesium taurate and an Epsom salt bath. But I also do a lot of detoxing. So I'll have bicarbonate of soda baths as hot as I can to really perspire out any toxins and things like that. I I have a lot of green juices, far more than the average person. How many would you have a day? Do you have like several a day or? I have a couple a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detoxification is a really important um, Absolutely. part of um, physical health because unfortunately, you know, we're bombarded by over 80,000 toxins on a daily basis. Probably, mm-hmm. actually, I think the figure is a lot higher than that. And the body's just like, it's a natural filtering system. Um, right. And you've got to get the good stuff in and allow the bad stuff to be eliminated just simple things like coffee which i love has got more pesticides if it's not organic than almost any other food yeah you know and who doesn't like a nice coffee in the morning so you love your coffee you I like do. prep do a nice coffee but you really look after your health your gut probiotics yeah powders and you detox seasonally 
Um, no, I, I don't do crazy detox diets or anything. I'm just, I'm consistent with everything. Mm. So I don't feel I need to. Good. And I have crazy energy levels. A lot of people get tired in the afternoon. I don't. I'm literally on it all day. You really are living testament to supporting the physical and the emotional, um, you know, and you've been through a lot. I mean, you know, stage four cancer, the stroke, the diagnostic of being told you'd never walk again. Yeah. And yet every step of the way, you just went to that power within. Exactly. Did you know that power within and that strength was coming from your soul and your higher self? I think it's my higher self and something else, whether it's a guardian angel. I mean, we all have our own beliefs. And yes, I am religious. Um, So that's kind of helped me through this time as well. But I do believe my higher self, a guardian angel, God, the universe, I don't know. But something out there is looking out for me for sure. Mm. I often wear my grandma's ring when I'm feeling down this one here um to kind of give me inner strength and it's just like I can feel her love around me I was very close to her so things like that mean a lot um you know I often think do things you only live this life once wear that dress wear those heels wear that lovely perfume don't save things for best because this is your only life live it now and enjoy it and be the best you possible that's my motto. And it's a beautiful motto because it's true. What are you waiting for? Exactly. What are you waiting for? So talk to me about your clients and the business. So you must be such a source of inspiration, you know, for anyone out there who's looking to improve their health physically to go and have a consultation and a meeting and guidance from someone who has recovered from stage four cancer a stroke is walking is able looks beautiful and radiant and healthy I mean they should be knocking on the door girl (laughs) knocking that door down what kind of advice do you give people do do you see or is it all aspects of nutrition or are you you know focused on Um, I do focus mostly predominantly on women and um, natural weight loss strengthening the immune system anti-aging balancing hormones and thyroid issues yeah they are the main things I focus on and I have lots of different ebooks which I sell on my website if people prefer to opt for that oh that's Um, nice yeah no I see mostly people on one-to-one and we go through all their medical history all the seven systems of their body their diet their lifestyle and then I create an individual plan I focus on food first, then some supplements on top just to give them an extra boost. Mm. Um, so that's how I work. And do you talk about the power of thought? Do you do you bring that into your teaching? I do discuss that, but not so much. It depends on the client and whether it's something that would work for them. A lot of people don't often look at it like that. They just want the food and the recipes and the supplements and they want a quick fix and the results straight away with some of the clients if they're open to that I certainly do go down that route it's interesting because as we were talking I was thinking it is really something you should look at teaching you know because the power of thought is 
well, it's everything. It becomes a reality. And just to hear your story and that power is, is phenomenal. And I really think you should bring that into your teaching, you know, um, because I think we all need to be rising up and elevating and taking self-responsibility, you know, to, um, to know that we are what we, what we think is what we create. That's right. And you, you know, wow, what you've achieved and what you've done and what you knew, what you knew, you know, you said to your body, I'm going to walk and you visualized it. Yeah. And you saw your fingers moving, but you saw your fingers moving in your mind before you saw your fingers moving physically. That's right. I mean, I would always recommend anyone reach and read Dr. Joe Dispenser's books and if you find them a bit heavy, the audible versions are great because yeah. um, his voice is just amazing. Um, I've got a bit of a crush on him, if I'm 100% honest. <laughs> I think he's amazing. He really um, is. Yeah. He, he just really is. is so wise. And you can listen to loads of interviews on YouTube. He's just phenomenal. Um, he's so inspiring. And he talks about different experiments, how they imagine things in their mind and that the they focused on the brain activity and how in real life they could almost go and play the piano like the people that practiced and then the people that practiced in their minds they were just as good yeah which yeah, is yeah, amazing yeah. it just shows you how powerful the mind is i think it helps i'm pretty determined stubborn person I for my health that I've been through it's been a great thing (laughs) some people might say differently but hey ho you love me or you hate me no 100% it's you know that tenacity is so important what about gratitude where does gratitude (gasps) feed in your life do you know what I have I've had a morning routine in my life for the last 10 years and gratitude plays a huge part in that every single day yeah, I think that helps being grateful and thankful for everything you have, you know, being able to walk, being healthy, being able to kind of do everything myself, live independently. Because um, when I was in a hospital, you'd be wheelchair to the toilet, you know, just being able to do stuff yourself is just amazing. You take everything for granted. You know, it's when you don't have your health, you realize how precious it is. Yeah. Just simple things, you know, sharing, driving, you know, meeting friends for supper, being healthy enough to do that is just amazing. It's so true. There's a a morning meditation that I do with um, it's the channels called live the life you love for any listeners. I'll put it in the the episode information. Um, And and it's so wonderful because it's just 10 minutes, but it's a gratitude meditation. And it basically says, you know, she'll say something, you know, um, thank you for my home. Thank you for my shower. Thank you for my healthy immune system. Yeah. And it's, you know, thank you for my hands. Thank you for my healthy heart. And then it's, you know, thank you for the birds that sing. And it's very cleverly done because it brings in all aspects of life. So it's bringing in, you know, the gratitude to us, the physical body, to yeah. our hands, our organs, our eyes, our sense of smell. And then it's bringing in the gratitude to externally, you know, to the world. And, you know, it's so true because we 
you know, as, as they say in conversations with God, how often do you look after your body? Exactly. Um, and also Louise Hay would often say, start your day with gratitude. And I do that in bed and I wake up. Thank you for a great night's sleep. Thank you for my comfortable bed. Thank you for living in a beautiful house for my loving family, my gorgeous naughty dog, and, you know, things like that. You know, being grateful, and then you attract more good things into your life. I 100% believe that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sophie, what would you say to anyone else who's currently suffering with maybe cancer or recovering from a stroke? Um, And who are in a really fearful place right now, what advice would you give them? Do you know what? The days at the moment might feel dark, but the sun will shine again. There will be happy times again. And I found having um, searched really great support groups, speak to other people going through what you have. Don't be afraid of having counselling. I've had a lot of Mm counselling and there's nothing wrong with that. Work on yourself every day, have a morning routine, really look after your health, but there will be happy times ahead. Don't give up on it. And doing little things consistently every single day builds up. For example, with me, with walking again, I'm like, the journey is so long, but every day I do stretches, I go to the gym, I do things well, I don't go to the gym every day. <laughs> I do things that have really helped my recovery. And if you look at the bigger picture and where you need to go, it's scary. But if you break it down into little things, actionable steps you can do each day, it's not as scary. And just embrace it, go for it. Don't give up, believe in it in 100%. Smarginal gains, isn't it? That's yeah. what Mark Colburn, who, the um, Gold Olympic athlete, was talking to me about, you know, just very small, consistent changes, you know, whether it be, yeah, three more steps every day, whether yeah. it be, you know, two more pieces of fruit a day. It's just those small changes consistently um, right. over time have massive impact. That's right. Absolutely. Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. I I'm just in awe of what you've achieved. I think it's been an incredible journey that you've gone through. But what astounds me even more is the power, the power that you knew you had within you and that it was non-negotiable. It was just non-negotiable that you weren't going to walk again. It was non-negotiable that you weren't going to get rid of this cancer. And now look at you. You're beautiful. You're thriving. You've got all your hair back. Yeah. You walk. You can walk. I you can. can drive. You're running a business. That's You're right. inspiring people all around the world. I mean, is there anything you can't do? Well, I can't speak several languages I'd like to learn, but that's, again, consistent daily action. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but I really love chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed it. You're so welcome. And I just want to say thank you for giving me the time that you've given me today. And I know all the listeners out there will be so inspired by your story. And I will put your details in with the episode information so people can reach out to you um, and share it on social media channels because 
for anyone, anyone out there who is feeling frightened and worried and I am sure Sophie will be more than happy to hear from you, to connect with you, to have a chat with you and perhaps just give you some advice and point you in the right direction. And for other listeners who may want to work with Sophie on your on, on their personal health, she's one in a million. So thank you, Sophie. It's, it's been a pleasure. What a conversation and a real testament to the task ahead is never as great as the power within and 100% self-belief. So I hope all you beautiful people out there found today's conversation with Sophie to be insightful and inspiring. Um, I was incredibly inspired by it. Please reach out to me if you have any questions and if you'd like to connect with Sophie, you'll find all her details in the episode resources. So next week, it's our final episode of season one And what a guest I have on the show, Toby Garbutt. Not only is Toby a world-class Olympian, two-time world champion GB rower, he's competed in five world championships, he's represented Great Britain at the tender age of 19, he's attended two Olympic Games, he's an expert in the art of physical health and well-being, and if that's not enough, this man is a motivational speaker And he tirelessly supports projects like the Youth Sports Trust in inspiring the younger generations to be fit and active and healthy. So tune in for the conversation. I know you'll be inspired and I know you'll want to put on your running shoes and head out for a run after the conversation. I certainly did. So look forward to that for next week. For now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I wish you a wonderful weekend. Stay well. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Make sure to get some laughter in there. I look forward to connecting with you next Friday. But for now, much love.